0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear loving Heavenly Father, uh, we give you great thanks that you are our Father, that you have adopted us as your children, that we can come to you, that we can approach you, that we can talk to you, uh, and that uh, you love us so abundantly in that relationship. Uh, Father, we ask that you would be with us now uh, strengthen me uh, give me wisdom and clarity uh, and help us to reflect on the love that you do have for us uh, we pray all these things in jesus christ our lord amen, amen. so uh, this is part two of a two-part series on adoption uh it's my favorite doctrine within well i don't know if that's true i really enjoy uh, hermeneutics which is the uh theology of interpretation um But in terms of uh, a doctrine that really speaks to my heart and I love thinking about doctrine of adoption is uh, the one that gets me going. Um, So to begin with, I just want to remind us uh, what we did last week. Now Libby was here last week. Uh, We looked at the topic of sonship throughout the Bible and I talked about how Israel were God's chosen son. Uh, So they're the ones that, that God had bestowed on them the title of son but they mightily failed to live up to this status bestowed upon them. They rebelled against God as their father, as we all do. Thankfully, though, Jesus, as God the Son, came and succeeded where Israel failed, uh, thus fulfilling all the promises that God made to Israel and showing us what it meant to be a real son of God. Through our union with Christ by faith, we become in Christ. Wes just did a great sermon on that. And we are adopted through Christ as sons of God. So this is purely a gift of grace. That's why I've titled this series Gifts of Grace uh, that God gives us, whereby he considers us as his children and heirs to all that he has, including all the promises and gifts to us throughout the Bible. So a definition to summarize all of this. We're talking about uh, all that... To do- summarize all that we're talking about with the doctrine of adoption Uh, you've got it at the top of your page there adoption is the work of god's grace by which he receives us as his very own children through christ by his holy spirit adoption is the act of god by which believers become members of god's family with all the privileges and obligations of family membership sons of god includes individuals of both sexes numbered among god's children so when i say sons of god which i hopefully we'll say a lot this morning i don't mean just men i'm talking about everyone but it's a title that's given to us that allows us to be inheritors of the kingdom now in reflection upon that definition which i gave last week as well i think i say it uh, comes with all the privileges and obligations of family membership but i think i want to replace obligations with what the the Westminster Larger Catechism uses, which is liberties. So uh, we become members of God's family with all the privileges and liberties uh, of being in God, of family membership. Um, That is the freedoms. So I use the word obligations because I wanted to think about holiness and becoming uh, a part of the family, but that is such a law-based way of thinking about it the grace that we give that we get is that we are able to become we have the freedom to become a child of God and to to be in his family and that's a freedom, not an obligation um, so I want to change that definition a little bit uh, today I want to begin by teasing out more fully what adoption is and what it is not and then we'll look at why I think adoption is the best uh, so Number one, uh, or point A, how does adoption differ from justification is what I'm gonna get into now. First, I want us to think about the difference between these two doctrines, justification and adoption. We talk about justification a lot around here. um, And I wanna pause at this point and note that we're getting right into the weeds here. We're gonna go, uh, it's gonna be easy for us to forget the forest as we look at some of the trees right now Um, but I'm going to do it anyway lest we you know forget what a tree looks like but it's important to note that when we're talking about adoption we're talking about something different from justification so justification and adoption are different though they can't be completely separated as both are gifts of God's grace applied to us by the Holy Spirit through our faith in Christ but they are distinct acts. And I only want to separate them in order that we might fully, more fully understand them and even more fully appreciate what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. So how do these two things differ? Well, when we're talking about justification, we're specifically talking about our guilt before God and our need for forgiveness. When we are justified by faith through grace, we are counted as righteous before God justification is courtroom language but adoption is relational language adoption happens after justification not chronologically in time but logically in application which is something that's a bit difficult to understand and it refers to when God establishes an intimate and personal relationship with us making us his very own children so this quote that is on your page from J.I. Packer in his excellent work, Knowing God, says that adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel, higher even than justification, which is the foundation of the gospel. And he writes, Justification is a forensic idea conceived in terms of law and viewing God as judge. Adoption is a family idea conceived in terms of love and viewing God as father. Closeness, affection, generosity are at the heart of this relationship. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, as it is. But to be loved and cared for by God the Father is much greater. So we are really nitpicking here, and who doesn't love to some pick some nits? Uh, but these two really shouldn't be separated because guilty humans can't be adopted without first being justified. And then there isn't anyone who is justified that isn't adopted. So you're going to be, there's no way that you can't be justified or adopted. You have to be both justified and adopted. But I wanted to separate these, separate them out so we might gain greater understanding of the love that God has for us in Christ. Because Packer is absolutely right when he says, to be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. He could, he could in his infinite power, just justify us. He could make us just just beings. But in his love, he justifies us and he brings us into his family uh, that we might be with him. So that's how adoption and justification differ. Secondly, I want to address something that has been bothering me a little bit. Um, Often you'll hear people say that everyone is a child of God. Uh, Now, reflecting on this, I will say that sometimes. But depends on the context as we're talking about the word mate it depends on how you say it and where you say it and the words surrounding it Um, but you often hear people say that everyone's a child of God or God loves all all of us as his children uh, something like that something along those lines and what they're trying to convey is the message that God treats every human being with love and full acceptance as our father now, this is called the universal fatherhood of God. Uh, and one theologian writes, a hallmark of liberalism has been the emphasis on the doctrine of the universal fatherhood of God. Now, it is true and right that the Bible does refer to God as father of all of us by virtue of creation. So we, we see this in Acts seventeen twenty nine, where Paul is preaching the Arab... Arab, Arab I can't say that word. Arapagus? Aragopicus? Um, it's failing me. Being then God's offspring, he says, referring to all humankind. So God did create all of us, and therefore we have a familial relationship with him as creator. Um, however, this understanding of God's fatherhood does not take sufficient account of the alienation caused by sin. In the Bible, adoption uh, and the blessing of sonship are viewed almost exclusively as benefits of redemption, so that only the saved are god 's children. but we also see that in scriptures that but we also see in scriptures that the ungodly are called children of the devil so just to kind of summarize that and think about that, um, not everyone is a child of God by virtue of adoption or by Uh, familial relationship we are all created by God and so we have a some sort of relationship no one is not no one is uh, totally out of step with God that doesn't make sense there is no one who doesn't have a relationship with God just most of the time our relationship because of sin is a bad relationship with God and we need God to restore that relationship yeah he went he went out of his way yeah Well, that's all I want to focus on in terms of teasing out some issues. Now I want to turn to what the privileges of adoption are. So what are some of the advantages and privileges of being brought back into God's family? Well, firstly, we're given a new identity. So we see this in 1 John 3.1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Through our adoption, we are no longer called strangers or aliens or enemies of God, which is what we are through sin. We are now given a new identity and are called children of God, brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. So J.I. Packer, I was really vibing J.I. Packer when I was uh, writing this talk. J.I. Packer writes, What is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as father. So, if you are a Christian, you have God as your Father. You are given a new identity. You are His child. This is comforting and encouraging, but at the same time, humbling. Um, we are all called many things in the New Testament. We are kings and priests, chosen by God to display the glory of God. And then in life, we are many things. We're given many titles. You know, I'm a reverend doctor. Not that that really means anything. Uh, but each and every one of us is called a child of God. Every ruler of every land before God is merely a child. Every bishop ever to live, if they had faith in Christ, were just a child of God. This identity reminds us of our humble state before God and our dependence upon Him. Now, I'm not sure if that is what the Bible is conveying when it talks about children of God, but I was just thinking about that that need that we have to depend on our Father. Uh, But notice that... This, all of this is a product of God's love, as we saw in 1 John 3.1. The love that he has lavished and smothered and heaped upon us. We also see this in Ephesians 1, five. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. It is out of God's love for us that he predestined us for adoption to sonship. In this identity as God's children, we are assured of the Father's love for us. There is no doubt of his feelings towards us. We can know for sure that he is completely and totally for us. He's on our side. He loves us. And his love for us is the same as a father's love for their own children. But even greater, isn't it? Because God is perfect. His love is perfect. And he loves us as his children. In this love, we have safety and security. He is our home. He is our family. We totally and utterly are accepted by God. We belong to Him and with Him. We have a place with Him. Uh, now, I've been watching, uh, my wife and I have been watching a TV show called All American, which is about high school football and all the drama that goes on in high school, which I'm sure you all remember. But it, fo- This TV show focuses on two families and in one of these families the daughter Olivia is having a relapse into her addiction. So she's she's been a drug addict, she's gone through rehab, she's come out of it the other side and now she's having a relapse. And in this episode the family find out and want to intervene but she doesn't want to go back to rehab so she runs away from them all and tries to escape it. Now Olivia's dad Billy is in uh, town and runs into a friend Denise and Denise uh, he, sorry Billy tells Denise everything that's happening Denise tells Billy to call Olivia his daughter and tell her that she can always come home no matter what so to remind her of that that he loves her so Olivia hears uh, Billy does that he calls Olivia and he, Olivia hears the message and she comes home See, Denise had to remind Billy that Olivia needed love. She needed to to feel accepted and safe, and she needed some security. And we are all Olivia, aren't we? God says to us in Jesus Christ, you are welcome home anytime. You can always come home, no matter what. Well, in this love and safety and security, we have assurance of salvation. Uh, as the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of god in romans eight sixteen, god as father is not fickle or feeble but willingly reminds us through his spirit that we are his children uh, there is no doubt that this is the case it is a fact that occurs the moment we put our trust in christ but in our everyday life we re- we need reminders of assurance uh, that we are t- truly saved and so god does not withhold this knowledge from us he constantly reminds us by his spirit that we are his children. So we're given a new identity which uh, is based in love and uh, is full of assurance and acceptance. Secondly, um, because of this new identity as God's children, we can confidently and intimately approach God as our Father in prayer. Uh, Just as Jesus taught his disciples, so through our adoption, we too can pray. We have the privilege of praying our Father uh, J.I. Packer stresses, oh, let me read Galatians 4, 6, 7 first. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Uh, J.I. Packer says, The stress of the New Testament is not on the difficulty and danger of drawing near to the holy God, but on the boldness and confidence which believers may approach him, a boldness that springs directly from faith in Christ and from the knowledge of his saving work. So we have the privilege of calling God the God of the whole universe who created all things. We have the privilege of calling him our Father. And in doing so, we are able to talk with him as our Father in the same way that you would talk to your earthly fathers if you still have them with you. We are, as Jesus says in the Gospels, able to ask our Father for anything. Matthew 7, uh, verse 9, Or well, which one of you, if he asks him, ask, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give you good things to those who ask him? Obviously, this doesn't make prayer any easier on our end. Um, Prayer is something still that we struggle with, that I struggle with. But it's a great relief to know that we are talking to our Father who is in heaven, who loves us immensely and knows what we need before we even ask it. Um, Any thoughts on that? Any tips on prayer to your Heavenly Father? While I take a break. Yeah, no, that's an interesting thought. I mean... He always calls God his father. Um, And then, yeah, the New Testament always talks about us us as children. Um, I mean, Jesus talks about us as his brothers and sisters. You remember Jesus performing a miracle and some some people come in and were like, hey, your mom and your brothers and sisters are here. And he's like, who are they? You know, who are they to me? The, it's only those who do the will of my Father who are my brothers right. and sisters. And that would yeah. be an adopted crowd, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, thirdly, uh, we the privilege of adoption is holiness. Through our adoption, we long uh, to imitate, to glorify and to please our Father. Adoption is the foundation for our sanctification and holiness as we become more and more and more made into the family image. Now, this is not to usurp the fact that our sanctification, just like every aspect of our salvation and relationship with God, is purely through the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. This happens by grace. Uh, as Paul says in Romans eight twenty nine. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. Um, on this passage, the great Australian theologian Leon Morris writes, this is going to be a long uh, quote, so forgive me for this. "It is God's plan that his people become like His son. Not that they should muddle along in a modest respectability, we should be in no doubt as to the high standard that Paul sets for Christian people. We have been admitted to the heavenly family. We are brothers in that family, and we are called God, and we call God Father. We are accordingly to live as members of the family, and that means being made like an elder brother. This is all part of God's predestination. He predestined us not only to be released from an unpleasant predicament, but in order that we might become like his son. So our adoption is the foundation for our sanctification. Now, just a little anecdote about this. It's a universal fact that families, I think this, it's a universal fact that families will, and loved ones will dress alike. I don't know if you've noticed that. Recently, Rachel and I had a couple of days away from our son Jonathan, and we used some of that time to go shopping, uh, to go clothes shopping because Rachel hadn't tried on clothes for you know, 17 months. We were in Old Navy trying on clothes, and after a few different changes, uh, we end up buying a couple of things. I ended up buying a shirt for me and Rachel got a dress and some other things. But amazingly, the shirt that I got and the dress that she got were exactly the same pattern. Blue and white checked, like pretty much probably cut from the same uh, cloth. Uh, But as family members, our interests, our desires, and our likes and dislikes begin to blend together as we learn more and more about each other, as we learn to avoid things that displease each other, as we become more emotionally, mentally, psychologically, and relationally intimate with each other, uh, ourselves we we begin to blend together and so it is in Christ as children we spend time with our father and we grow to become more and more like him We will not ever be perfect in this life but God is working in us and on us by his Spirit to conform us to our brother Jesus Christ um, just a fun little anecdote for that um, and lastly I'm just going to wrap it up here. Adoption is a cause for our praise and worship of our great God. All of this knowledge in itself is not for itself. It's so that we can turn to God and praise His wonderful name. Praise be to God that we have such an amazing God who loves us so abundantly that even though we don't deserve it, even though we tried our hardest to run away from Him and reject Him, He calls us His very own children. He calls us son and daughter. Just as a voice came from heaven at Jesus' baptism saying, this is my well-beloved son, listen to him. So too God looks down on us and says, this is my well-beloved son or daughter. Um, Praise be to God. Any questions, comments, thoughts, objections? Let me uh, pray for us and I'll dismiss us. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, uh, we once again come to you uh, thankful for your love for us in Christ Jesus that uh, you do not uh, toss us aside, you do not uh, treat us as we deserve, but you pour out your love and mercy upon us and call us uh, your very own uh, sons and daughters. And Father, we ask that by your Spirit we would continually be reminded of that love for us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.